Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. We're in for something a little bit different this week as in commemoration of the passing of the dearly departed Kenny Baker, the man that gave life to R2-D2, one of, and there's no debating it, one of the most iconic film characters of all time. So, what I decided to do was get on the mic with a bunch of previous guests and talk about the times we've interacted with Kenny Baker and maybe a special memory or two of Kenny over the years. And if you're trying to avoid like a a bummer of an episode, this isn't it, you guys, because we actually had a great time talking about Kenny Baker memories and a lot of laughs as well. So this is a this is not the downer that you might think it is. It's quite an uplifting episode. It was super fun to record. It was great to catch up with a bunch of previous guests. And I tell you what, I learned more than a thing or two about Kenny Baker, the person and his life. And I hope you do too. All right, let's kick things off with our very good friend, Tony Medina, the gonk droid, Star Wars consultant at Jack's Pacific Toys. The first thing I want I have to talk about is Mr. Kenny Baker who passed. That's been something that's been on my mind and, you know, it's it's been rough, man. It's been a rough, crazy, you know, there's been so much going on lately and then just, you know, hearing that news the other day just been really sitting with me it's kind of a bummer but yeah i I tell you what makes it more of a bummer is and it's innocent but when people post like they're they're sort of going for this um poignant you know image to post on the internet and they'll post all their action figures standing around r2d2 laying down or something it's like oh jesus christ guys yeah, I saw I saw one with like a like a BB-8 and a and a C-3PO and like a I think it was C-3PO. I don't remember. And then there's like a cross in the middle. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god! I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I I, I was skimming through Instagram. <laughs> I mean, like I was just like, Jesus Christ! Do you really like? And th- there's like, an interesting fuck, interesting thing of like is like R2D2 is not dead. Yeah, like people mean well, but it, it's not as though I don't know it's like he wasn't just R2-D2 Kenny Baker it's like he's not actually it's like R2-D2 passed like that's how people are coming across with it it's like it's ridiculous it's like no Kenny Baker passed man like I, there was one that I saw uh, you know, I think a few people have done it like it's it's like the ghosts on Endor and, it, yeah, yeah, and it's like the ghost of R2-D2 and it's like no it's Kenny Baker like, yeah, put the ghost man. of Kenny Baker standing there, not the ghost of R2-D2. He was in there. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's like, we get it. Like, he brought it to life. You know what I mean? But yeah. It's, but, it's, it's a little... But, but like, yeah, it's not R2-D2. It's Kenny Baker that died. But, um, yeah. but people mean well. You know, it's, and, they, and they're just trying yeah. to express themselves. Have you ever seen Kenny Baker in person? Yeah, I saw him in person. Um, I've seen him in person probably, like, like, twice, actually. Last time was at Celebration... And it was cool because, you know, I'm, I was exhibitor there at Celebration at uh, Celebration um, Anaheim. Oh, mate, we're uh, here to born Kenny Baker, not name drop about the special pass. Oh, but I'm talking about he was leaving the convention and it was really cool. I was walking back with some of our products, our things, and then I just cut right next to him and was just like, I just walked by Kenny Baker. Holy crap. Like <laughs> inches away. And I was just like, ah, oh. it was really cool because, you know, I, I know the whole like Anthony Daniels, like, Kenny Baker situation and 
I think it was that day or the day prior, like this day, like I ran into Anthony Daniels and he was just totally blew me off. So it was really cool seeing Kenny Baker. And I was like, I just got to say hi. And I was like, hello, Mr. Baker. And he's like, and just kind of like, I walked off and I was like, Oh crap, that was really cool. But I mean, (laughs) nothing, nothing. I got nothing better than, you know, Anthony Daniels being a complete dick to me. But other than that, that was cool. (laughs) Yeah. Good stories, man. Good times. I like that you miss Kenny Baker so much because the guy he worked with was such a dick. <laughs> By comparison, he was like one of the best dudes ever. He was. He was like the best dude ever, man. All those stories ever. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. My, You know, I uh, like the little vintage Star Wars little thing I do, the first order. We, um... We uh, posted on there, like, you know, like, remember your great Kenny Baker. Like, check him out out of the R2-D2 suit. It's an actual picture of him, and I, I think that's really cool. Mm. I love that Aaron put that up there. It's totally, uh, yeah, but that's, that was a bummer, man. Mm. That was a total bummer. Do you have any interesting Kenny Baker moments? He did come to an Australian convention. He came to Force 2 back in like, I don't know, 90-something, maybe like 97 or something. Um, oh, the yeah. Star Wars fan club here had a convention. They're actually gearing up for their next one, which is very exciting. Yeah, so he was one of the guests. It was him, Steve Sansweet, and Jeremy Bullock, who played Boo Boo Fett. And I just remember I'd never seen someone from Star Wars before, and it was... Like, it was the 90s, so it was just... I think I was just like... Like, you know when you're really watching something really hard? Yeah. Like, you're just like... like it was before you could, like, you know, watch interviews on YouTube or, you know, hear them talk. So, it was just like... Like, I think they had these set stories that they did, you know, kind of like a comedian. They had the their little set... And it was all new, so it was just fascinating. But I, I, I do remember... And then Anthony Daniels came out for a different convention, and I just remember their talks, how weird it was that they were their character. Like, like Anthony Daniels is so much like C-3PO. Yeah. <laughs> and Kenny Baker, a lot like R2-D2, maybe... R2-D2 mixed with a bit of Bender from Futurama. Okay, you guys, the next person we're going to reminisce about Kenny with is all the way from episode six. He is the director of, and by episode six, I should say Steel Wars episode six. He didn't play an Ewok. Um, He's the director of the Australian Star Walking Fan Club, and if you're in Melbourne, if you've had a photo taken with a Darth Vader, it's probably with him. Welcome, Chris Brennan. Uh, thank you, sir. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit tall for an Ewok, <laughs> just slightly. <laughs> it could have been camera tricks. It could have been, you know. It could have been, yeah, force perspective and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think they can force that much perspective into a camera, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I, I would, I would love to have a steel-sized Ewok suit. I would. I very much enjoy that lifestyle. I'm not sure what my cat would think of it, but um, talk to Steve Sansweet. He's got one, so um, yeah, I might have to. I might be a bit too tall for his one, though. But uh, yeah, I've got to say, even my dog, my dog gives me weird looks when I come wandering around the Wookiee outfit. I tell you. <laughs> so, Chris, you have. Um, been involved in in fan clubs and in conventions for as literally as long as I've known you, which is decades and decades. Um, well, more years than you can imagine. Yes, I'm sure you've had a uh, a few interactions with the uh, the great man Kenny Baker. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to to meet Kenny Baker when he came to Melbourne uh, back in '97, I think it was. And he was here for one of the Star Walking events. And we were at Myers in the city and we were doing photographs and everything with Kenny there. And I'm in the Darth suit and Kenny was signing autographs for the fans and chatting away to them. Great experience. Loved, loved the fans. Loved chatting to everybody. And particularly loved chatting to the young girls because he uh, was a real ladies' man, was young Kenny. <laughs> but um, 
came to the convention, which we had down in Moorabbin, I think it was, and I'm wandering around doing the usual fan stuff, and I walk past the elevator, and here's Kenny standing on the side of the elevator, and he's sort of looking around, and I go, what's up, Kenny? And he said, oh, I've got to go to my room, mate. And I went, oh, no worries, um, the elevator's there. And he says, yeah, um, they've put me on the top floor. I can't reach the button. Can you push it for me? <laughs> So the poor little poor guy he got into the elevator to go up to his room and gone, oh, crap, I can't push the button for the top floor. And he had to stand there and wait with a bit of an embarrassed look on his face to ask someone to push the button for him. So, um, yeah, slap on the wrist for the convention organisers in that respect. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things where you give your special guest the top floor. You don't think yeah, about Yeah, the you look location. after them, yeah. Yeah, you look after them and you put them in the best rooms and everything, but it was just that one little problem that uh, nobody thought about with regards to Kenny. It was kind of an embarrassment. But and then a little bit later on, we were doing a, a photo shoot for the uh, the Herald Sun magazine, uh, Herald Sun newspaper, uh, and we're up on the stage and I'm in the Vader suit. And, of course, when I'm in the Nevada suit, you can't see below the level of your nose because you've got the mask on and the grills in the way and everything. And I'm standing on the stage and the photographer says, can you put your hand on Kenny's head? And I'm sort of, oh, is Kenny next to me? Is he okay? And I'm feeling around and I suddenly found his head and I'm going, oh, right, okay. Got my hand on Kenny's head and flashes are going off everywhere. Everyone's taking photographs. That's great. And then they said, okay, we're done now. You can go. And I stood there and I thought, okay, I won't move yet because I'll make sure Kenny gets out of the way. And I, okay, I'll walk off now. And I turned to walk off stage and I felt something bump off my hip. And then the next time I put my foot down, I felt something go squish under my foot. Oh. And I thought, oh, my God, I've just stepped on Kenny Baker. <laughs> and I'm, we came back later on. After I got the suit off, I go back and I'm looking for Kenny. And I go, um, uh, Kenny, um, did I um, step on you before? He goes, yeah, mate, you got me right in the chest. And I'm sort of, oh, my God. I said, I'm so sorry. And he goes, nah, it doesn't matter. It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So he was a real trooper. He, he was absolutely fantastic. And he, he loved the girls. He loved the joke. And he loved to chat. I mean, he, he sat down to have lunch. And Kenny just come up and plonked himself down next to you in the middle of the convention. And he'd sit there for hours and just yak on about his time on the set and his interactions with Anthony Daniels and what a pain in the backside he was and all that sort of stuff. So it gave you a really good insight of uh, what life is like for, for Kenny Baker on the set. Yeah, I remember I was a, a, a young nerd at that uh, Star Wars convention, Force 2 in Moorabbin, and it, it blew my mind to have, you know, like R2-D2, Kenny Baker there talking. And what I remember and what struck me was just, he just seemed like such a a normal dude that was just up for a joke and and seemed to love a drink as well. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he particularly loved his champagne. The only trouble was finding a bottle that wasn't bigger than Kenny to carry around. Because <laughs> um, th- those magnums are pretty big, you know. <laughs> when Kenny gets a magnum of champagne, it's kind of hard for him to carry it. But, uh, yeah, the, the main thing that struck me about Kenny was that he was just an, an ordinary guy. And he was just so funny. And the whole time he was in Melbourne, he was just cracking jokes the whole time. And, you know, he was just a real joy to, to be around and to chat with. And like I said, he, he loved the ladies as well, so. Well, who can blame him for that, John? I mean? <laughs> that's true, that's true. I've seen ladies. He had a, he had a They're pretty good. Yeah, he had a particular fondness for um, ladies in the Princess Leah slave outfit, as our young uh, Kerry Valkova found out. <laughs> well, we're, we're all flesh and blood, Chris. We're all Well, this is true, blood. this is true. Yeah. I actually remember, that was the first slave Leia I ever saw in real life. It and was, she was a heck of a slave Leia too. Yeah, it was- um, Fantastic outfit. It was confronting, to say the least. Anything else that you remember from your time hanging out with him? Oh, no, it was just main, I, there were so many chats that we had. It was just, it's all sort of blurred into one after a while. There, as I said, the, the one thing that came back to me was just how much he just loved to chat to people and he would just sit down and, and have a conversation with anybody at any time, you know, um, particularly when he was supposed to be on stage doing an actual chat and you'd sort of be, um, <laughs> where's Kenny? Oh, he's over in the bar. Oh, crap, someone go and grab Kenny and bring him back for his, he's got a talk to do, you know. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. I've got a vague memory that I was in that room waiting for him to turn up while people tried to find him. 
That, um, that's probably about right, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, the cool thing is that, you know, even last month, he made it to uh, Star Wars Celebration in London to uh, sign autographs and say hey. So, a, yeah, um, yeah, he was there with uh, with Peter Mayhew and he was just yeah, signing autographs and chatting to people and... Yeah, and I think the, the good thing is that for, from Kenny's side of it is that when he did finally go, it was uh, a peaceful time. He was you know asleep when it happened and everything, so it was wasn't you know it, was, it wasn't a huge media circus around him or anything. It was just you know with his family and friends around him, so it was befitting him as a person, I think, to be with his family. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Chris, for sharing those memories of um, one of the the true great Star Wars ambassadors, Kenny Baker. You can be heard on the awesome Star Talking podcast, which is the official podcast of Star Walking Australia. And next year, even more Star Wars memories will be made as you've got the Force 5 convention coming up. Where can we get info about that, buddy? If you shoot on over to starwalking.net, we've got a little tab there for our convention. We've got uh, Steve Sansweet as one of our confirmed uh, guests so far, the uh, Star Wars collector extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. And we've also got Timothy Zahn down as one of our guests. Wow. The man that re- rekindled the people's love of Star Wars. He's uh, coming to Australia again to pay us a visit. So that's going to be absolutely awesome. And that'll be fresh on the heels of his Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, novel coming yeah, out. Yeah, we're, we're, we're hoping to actually get the uh, Australian release on the, that weekend so we can get uh, lots of nice, fresh-smelling books out there so we can whip them out and scribble all over them for you. So it's going to be an absolutely fantastic weekend. And we've got more guests coming. We just have to wait till we get the ink on the paper and then we can uh, start screaming from the rooftops who we've got. Awesome. I cannot wait. Hey, Chris, thank you so much and may that force be with you. Uh, may it also be with you, my friend. Talk to you later on. Cheers. Okay, you guys, next on the line, we have got previous guest all the way back from episodes 28 and 29. He is a founder of the legendary Australian fan club, Star Walking Australia. Welcome back to Steel Wars, Darren Maxwell. G'day, Steel. How's it going, mate? I'm gonna, I was just thinking, episode 28. I wonder if there'll ever be a Star Wars episode 28. Wouldn't that be something different? I think there might be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. It, I definitely think there's a possibility. You just never, never know. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think we, uh, we could be in to that. Now, uh, Darren, I always love talking to you because you are just a wealth of Star Wars knowledge. You, you've kind of got Wikipedia uploaded to your brain, Matrix style. You've got like a Neo-like uh, knowledge of, of Star Wars and Star Wars history. I'm sure that you've had a couple of interactions with our lost hero, Kenny Baker, in your time. Uh, actually, that's true. Uh, in fact, there's been two occasions. Uh, I ran a, um, a science fiction convention in 1991 uh, called Vampiricon, and Kenny Baker was the guest for that, and it was his first Australian visit. In fact, I think I might have been the first person to see him in this country because I met him at the hotel when he turned up. And, of course, I saw him again in 1997 at Force 2 where uh, he came out here with uh, Jeremy Bullock. So, yes, double interaction with Kenny. And what, I guess what sort of like guy was 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 Kenny in your like in your time with him? Um, the first thing that struck me, and I know this might sound a bit weird, is I didn't realise just how short he was. Because uh, when I saw him in the hotel foyer uh, when back in '91, um, and I knew he was a dwarf or uh, and all the rest of it, but he was just really really tiny. And I'd been told that uh, he didn't like people bowing, uh, leaning over to shake his hand or kneeling down or anything like that. You had to sort of just sort of deal with him uh, as a normal person. I found that very odd because I wasn't used to looking towards the floor to just have a have a conversation with a guy. But he was a little bit miffed when he first turned up because I'd lost his luggage and he was, he was here with uh, Eileen, his wife, back in 91. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his luggage had gone walkies and uh, they eventually found it and he was okay for the rest of the convention. But it occurred to me at the time that he was practically wearing children's clothes because he was so small. So it, uh, it took a bit of getting used to, but uh, other than that, 
um, once he got going, he was actually a, a sort of a really nice guy and very easy to deal with. Yeah, it's interesting about how he didn't like people to you know bend down to him and that like because I I get the impression he sort of like yeah let's just get on with it don't worry about that let's just have a good time like let's get some work done or whatever like he didn't want that to be a focus. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he was uh, effectively a different person in the two times we met because when he came out here with with Eileen in 91, um, I mean, he was with his wife and he was just there for the show and all the rest of it. But uh, when he came out in 97, she'd passed away by that point. So he was on his own. And, I mean, I wrote about this in an article in the newsletter, my uh, tribute to him there, about the fact that uh, I actually felt that he was actually quite lonely. And he was... uh, he kept using a classic phrase, which is, you know, kind of humorous and a bit of a laugh, you know. He used to call himself the frigid midget with a rigid digit. But when you think about what he's saying, that's actually quite, uh, you know, risque and a little bit uh, rated X when you think about it. And he would actually say that on TV and say it quite publicly, and he would, would just laugh at it. But when you analyse what he was trying to say, he's like, well, hang on, you're actually saying that you're, um, you're lonely and, if anything, you're sort of maybe a bit sort of looking for love, that sort of thing. And so I noticed there was a very distinct difference between how he was in 91 uh, to how he was in 97. Yeah, that's quite sad when you think about it because it, it, it's hard for, you know, anyone in a, a long marriage to, you know, when their partner dies, but... I, I guess when you've also got that, um, you know, his size adding to that as well, that's even, it puts you in a precarious position. Uh, yeah, I certainly agree with that, actually. And I think, I mean, this is a bit of a gut feeling that he thought he would come out to Australia, he'd come to an Australian convention, because you've got to remember, this is before the celebration, so there were no sort of Star Wars conventions anywhere. And... You know, effectively to become idolised by everybody because, you know, well, this is a Star Wars actor. I think he was probably the furthest up the food chain at that point in terms of Star Wars actors turning up to Australia. And uh, so he's at a Star Wars convention. He's a single guy now and, you know, maybe he thought the girls would all fawn over him. Maybe some did, maybe some didn't, I don't know. But I think he was aware of the situation he was in and, um, yeah, I don't know if he wanted to take advantage of that or not, but I think there was a very distinct difference in the way he sort of behaved. He didn't, didn't behave badly, don't get me wrong, he didn't do anything wrong, but uh, it was just noticeable to say, well, okay, you're on your own now, and, uh, yeah, he just looked like he was, um, part of him was saying, well, I'm here for the show, but I'm also here to try and, I don't know, find entertainment, if you will. Well, I remember being at that at Force 2, kind of very struck that someone from Star Wars was actually in front of me talking. That was, you know, before the internet and, you know, all the conventions and stuff. It was, I was just blown away that that guy was from Star Wars and now he's in this room. But the other thing that always is in my memory is that he was constantly making comments that no one else could get away with at a family-friendly Star Wars convention. Yeah, well, that's definitely true. So he came out here with Jeremy, but Jeremy had been here pre- uh, prior to that in 1989. So you're right, Kenny was like the effectively the top of the food chain. So you had like your main cast, you know, your uh, Mark Hamill and uh, Carrie and, and, and Harrison. Then you had the guys below that, you know, which is Peter... Uh, Anthony and uh, Kenny. So Kenny was like a really top-tier guest. And for that reason, I think once people saw him and they go, well, this really is the real guy inside R2-D2, um, they looked, he, was, he was like treated as a god. And he really, I think, really enjoyed that. And I think it was, it was actually good for him. It was good for us. And for that reason, he interacted everybody with everybody really, really well. And I think what you said is correct. He just wanted to be treated as a normal guy. And But, you know, he, sometimes you can see actors who play masked characters, and they could look like anything, but when you see somebody who's physically the size of what would look like for R2-D2, people can put two and two together and go, wow, this is the real deal. And uh, and I think that was um, you know really good for him. So he did some really good stuff for us. Um, we had the big banquet, and um, he was doing a song and dance number, and I don't know if you remember that, but he got dressed in a kilt and all the rest of it and mm-hmm. came out and sang some songs and all the rest of it. And all his music was pre-recorded, and I was looking after all the audio for the uh, for the banquet. So he came up to me with a tape and he said, can you play this and I'll sing along with that and yada, yada, yada. And the bit that I found amusing is that it had its own pre-recorded audience 
and a voiceover saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is Kenny Baker and all this sort of thing. And I thought that was just really, really funny. Because <laughs> like, where's his voice coming from? It's like, Kenny Baker, everybody. And they, and there's a huge applause pre-recorded on the tape itself while he's waving off and waving and walking off. So I thought that was actually uh, really amusing. Well, as someone that's done stand-up in some pretty dingy bars, I, I wouldn't mind bringing a, uh, a pre-recorded audience reaction with me to a few gigs. So Yeah, well, maybe it's intended just in case nobody applauds. And uh, it really made it sound like there was like thousands upon thousands of people applauding when there was only like you know, 300 or 400 or whatever it was. But uh, I thought that, that struck me as being quite amusing. But uh, I remember that um, I had to play the tape. Uh, there was a point where the music would stop he would do something uh, a cappella or whatever it is, and then I'd have to play the tape again from that point, and he'd pick up. And I thought it was kind of funny. So the music fades out. I press pause because we using audio tape back then. And oh, I didn't even think up. about that. It would be on cassette. That's even more. Hardcore. Yeah, of course it was on tape. Yeah, <laughs> and he gets to a bit where he goes ah, and because he looks towards me, and that's where I've got to press play, and then the music will kick in, and away he goes. And it occurred to me, I thought, what if I don't press play? What if I just leave it? And he just goes ah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I pressed play, the music picked up, and he went on, and the show was fantastic. So, uh, But it was good. It was the first time we saw a guest actually do that. A guest of honour turning up to a convention, putting on a song and dance show. We thought that was um, really spectacular, and he looked fantastic. He really did. That's awesome. So what? there's a lot of people talk about that R2, you know, he put the, you know, such heart and soul into R2. What, are there any scenes in Star Wars that sort of good points for like fans to go check out in in your opinion that that where Kenny gave R2 his his Kenniness um i think it would definitely have to be the first movie star wars uh, mm-hmm. a new hope uh, primarily because we didn't learn until after the film that there was actually somebody inside R2D2 at that time i think everybody thought it was just a, a real robot and once they realized there was actually a person inside the suit they looked upon the performance a little differently. And ultimately, if you don't know that there's a guy in the suit, you really don't pick up anything because it's not just his performance, which is effectively uh, rocking the unit and turning the dome, but it's also the sound effects, uh, which also bring the character to life. But personally, uh, if there was going to be one bit where I think uh, R2 really shines and Kenny's performance really shines, it's in the homestead, the Lars homestead, when um, 3PO's walking off with... uh, uh, Luke and R2's been left behind and he's doing, doing the shake and the whole body work and, he, and he's really freaking out and the Jawa, you know, uh, restrains him with, uh, with a little duva with a restraining bolt on his chest and the noises, and I thought that was actually a really, really cool moment because when you realise there was a guy in the suit you go, well, now we know how that thing moved. There was a guy in the, in the, in the, in the actual box rocking the thing side to side and that was pure Kenny Baker. I mean, any, he could have been anywhere else. Remembering he's in the two-legged version, not the three-legged version. He made great pains of telling people that he was only in the two-legged version of the, of the suit. But that was the one time when you saw it, yes, you could actually see him actually making the thing work, uh, rocking the unit from side to side. I reckon that was really cool. Yeah, and mixed in with the, the Ben Burt sound effects, like that, him just standing there getting left behind from his um, inverted commas friend, it, it is a, a very quick, heartbreaking moment. Well, especially because you don't know what's going to happen. So at that time... Yeah, you know, 3PO's walking off, R2's been restrained, and they're calling along R5D4 to sort of go and join him. And you start thinking, well, what happens now? It's a moment, if you're not, if you, especially when you're a little kid, you've seen the film for the first time, and you're thinking, oh, this isn't good. Uh, they're going to be split up. And, and it just so happens that R5D4 blows up and away you go. So, and they end up joining up again. And I think at that point, that really brings the audience together to say, oh, this is awesome. Now the two guys are back together again. And of course, later on, when uh, R2 you know, shines the image of Leia and you know Luke takes off the restraining bolt and the, and the image disappears. And the whole thing of like, you know, I don't think he likes you at all. And like, you, know, you hear the noise of R2 and no, I don't like you either. The, the noise of R2 is fantastic at that point. And uh, I think the performance of Kenny is one thing, but the sound effects is what really brought it to life. So, uh, so it's definitely a combination there that make the character work as well as it does. Yeah, another one of those Star Wars lucky just two things or maybe three things with the design of the droid coming together to make, you know, a, such a beloved yeah. character forever. Yeah, I can tell you another funny story about Kenny, actually. Um, when he was out here with Force 2, 
he was on a TV interview with Jeremy Bullock, uh, the Sunrise program or the morning show, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And because the morning show guys were in Sydney and Kenny and Jeremy were down in Melbourne, they had earpieces in, so they couldn't see the guys in Sydney. So they're looking at the camera and you've got Jeremy sitting in one seat and you've got Kenny sitting in the other. And, of course, the seat's way too big and he's, like, you know, sitting up there. But because... Once again, he was the two-legged R2. He actually had the, one of the 1978 large action figures of R2-D2 that he borrowed from somebody, and he had it sitting on the arm of the chair. And they're talking through the whole show, and yada, yada, yada. It's all really good and wonderful. But just as the clip is about to finish, Kenny picks up the R2 one, and he starts to say, look, I was the two-legged one, I was the two-legged one. And just as he does it, he drops it. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the look on his face is like, oh, geez, I've just dropped a 1978 action or a rare collectible on the floor. It's not even mine, and i will probably... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Broken it. <laughs> Just before they cut the image. <laughs> I reckon it was priceless. It was a really priceless moment. Loved it. Those R2s, they, 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 they'd go through anything. Oh, yeah, but, no, but when you've got the, 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 the large action figures, they're like, you know, the really expensive ones. Oh, and the 12 It was borrowed, wasn't he? He borrowed it off somebody, uh, all to prove a point that he was the two-legged version. Oh. And, um, yeah, when he dropped it, that was just looking at his face was like, oh, shit, what have I done? <laughs> so, so it was the, it was the, the 12-inch version? Yeah, the 12-inch version, oh, yeah, Oh, yeah. well, that's a total different... That is a fragile bit of merchandise yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and you can sort of hear it going crash and bash as it hits the floor, and it's like, oh, and you just see his face, and like, oh, shit, I've just dropped myself. <laughs> I just picture its owner, Shane Morrissey, quietly crying in the corner. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who owned it, but, it, yeah, it wasn't good, and it was just before they cut the image, and I thought that was actually quite priceless. But, uh, yeah, I think the problem that Kenny had is that... or not the problem, but one of the concerns is that because he did play only the two-legged version, everybody assumed he was there all the time in every um, element of the, of, the, of the character. And, of course, that wasn't the case. And, of course, as the movies went on, you saw the three-legged one more and more and more. And, you know, once you got to the prequel trilogy, he barely made an appearance. So his, um, his long sort of run in the films wasn't as good as, say, Anthony Daniels. So um, it was good that they acknowledged him in The Force Awakens, though, um, you know, as an R2 consultant. I don't know how he'd become an R2 consultant, but still it was a token a gesture, but still it was a very nice one. And uh, I, I think yeah. how you do it is you sit inside the R2 for three movies and then you you get you yeah. build up some tenure. Well, I guess like a lot of people who worked on the first movie, when they made it, you know, they're working on a film they know nothing about, they don't understand the story, it just sounds weird and it's bizarre, and they've got this American director working with an English crew, and I think it's only the success of the film that gave a lot of these guys a career. And, of course, you know, Kenny went on to all these other movies, you know, like Willow and did the Ewok movies and whatever else. So I think ultimately a lot of them have to look back upon the whole Star Wars franchise and say, well, yeah, being a part of that film is what gave them their life. And when they got to meet their fans, um, I think there was a big difference between being someone who was recognised and idolised by all these people as opposed to just being another actor who could have not had a career. So uh, I reckon that was uh, was really, really good. So um, he did tell me one other funny thing, though. This is back in Vampiricon, back in 1991 when he was doing his talk. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that one of his early, early gigs was working on a TV commercial. Now, of course, being a dwarf, you know, the work opportunities are pretty rare. But the gig was to actually um, be on a TV commercial dressed as a carrot, right, wearing this large carrot costume. And he actually failed that audition. He didn't get it. And he said he couldn't even get the job as a carrot. <laughs> Just the way he said it was so funny. <laughs> couldn't get the job of a carrot. And there you go. That's a tough day in show business. Oh, I, tell you, I tell you what, it's not wrong. So, and I think, yeah, so working on the production of the film was a horrible experience. They might have hated it, you know, they just don't understand it. But afterwards, once the film became successful and they became, um, you know, they actually had a career and a lot of money and whatever else, the, their, all their attitudes changed. And I think for Kenny, it um, was something that uh, he, he probably embraced as, as the years went on and, uh, and for the decades afterwards. 
Yeah, and we all want to be remembered. You know, Kenny forever is going to be tied together with this character that is probably going to go on to entertain people for decades and decades and decades. And Kenny's going to be associated with it. Well, that's right. And the funny thing is that once people learn that in the original trilogy and in the prequel trilogy, I had a two-legged version of R2-D2 was played by Kenny Baker, they'll probably just assume, anyway, we're talking young people here, they'll probably just assume he's still in the versions yet to come. So if R2 appears in episode eight, and he probably will, and they say there's an R2-D2 in that and there's a two-legged one in that, Little people, as in young people, may think, oh, Kenny's in that, not twigging that he doesn't, he's not around anymore. They just see the character, and they just assume he's in it. So maybe his legacy will live on in, in, in the character no matter how many decades it keeps uh, going for. So uh, more than anything, I reckon that's actually a really cool thing because you don't see his face. It could be anybody inside. But uh, people just associate the character with the guy, and so effectively his, uh, his image will live on forever, which is fantastic. Not bad for a failed carrot. Exactly right. <laughs> you can say with that carrot job, he did not find it very appealing. So there you go. <laughs> Darren, thanks so much for sharing your memories of Kenny. And much like our previous guest, Chris Brennan, you can be heard on the Star Talking podcast, which I absolutely love, and that's now up on iTunes. So, thank you so much, and also for Melbourneites, you can see Darren hosting his Melbourne famous, I was going to say world famous, but it's probably more Australian famous Star Wars auction at the end of uh, every meeting, which is always a great time. Yay teams, good for all. Thanks so much, Darren. No worries, mate, all the best. Cheers. Next on the line, all the way back from episode 34, it is my great buddy and loner of couch whenever I'm in Sydney, Angus Truscott. How you doing, buddy? Still, I'm good. And hey, guess what? I've just moved house, so we didn't throw out the couch. Your bed is still still intact. It's just um, it's got a couple of new surroundings. So anytime you need to rest your weary head, uh, you know, when you're traveling north, it's all there. It's all there. Nothing's changed. As a host of the Hey Fam podcast, you, you're fully over the podcaster's code. Whereas if there is you know a, yeah. a, a stray podcaster in an unfamiliar territory, you give them room and shelter and a USB to charge their iPhone. You give them a, you give them like a power board because you know there's going to be more than just an iPhone. There's going to be every sort of digital <laughs> appliance in each charging. And yeah, like, you know, the, we have moved and it's kind of like in Wayne's world when they move to from Wayne's garage to the, the studio, the TV studio, because everything's kind of the same on the inside, but it's just a bit brighter and nicer. <laughs> so you've sold out, is that adult. what you're saying? I've sold out. I've che- I've, yeah, I've cashed in all my podcast checks, and I've said, you know what? I'm kind of sick of that peeling off white paint. Let's go for some just pure white paint. And hey, why don't we have some natural sunlight while we're at it? Let's just get crazy. So I've gotten <laughs> drunk with power, really adult contemporary like interior now. Is your real estate agent Rob Lowe? Yeah, it's Rob Lowe. And he's trying to bone my hot girlfriend in a band. <laughs> so much has changed since I've seen you last. <laughs> a lot's changed. The great man, Kenny Baker. How are you feeling about the that? The man, the legend. Oh, well, you know, it's really sad. Kenny's as integral to Star Wars as any, you know, as John Williams, as George Lucas, as obviously, you've got to say Anthony Daniels, but I don't know if he's as in, if Anthony Daniels is as integral. But he's there. He's, you know, you might not see his face. You might not recognize him in the street, but he is, he's as important as all those factors. As kind of, he is Star Wars. R2-D2, you know, I'd say is the top three most recognizable characters, aspects, anything of Star Wars. So it's huge. It was, I was really sad. Well, it's interesting. I've, I've done all these, you know, little interviews about people that have, um, you know, have memories of Kenny or interacted with them. And, and one thing that came up, I think Chris Brennan from Star Walking brought it up, is that crowds actually reacted stronger to him than most other masked Star Wars actors because of his size. They could really, you know, when you see Boba Fett, Jeremy Bullock, he's just a, yeah. you know, a nice Englishman. But when you see Kenny Bacon, you realise someone says, oh, he was the guy inside R2-D2. Like, his size... Like it created uh, a lot more excitement around it because you could really, you're like, yeah, R2's this size, he's this size. 
Of course, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It's no wizardry, really, or there's no, you know, mask. I mean, there obviously is one, but it's, he is basically naked R2-D2. Like, that's it. What are your memories of Kenny Baker throughout the years? Well, look, Kenny, when I say Kenny, it's synonymous of R2, so these are, like, very you know, R2-based based memories. I have a few. I remember being on vacation in Bali in the late 80s because... I'm Australian, and that's what you did. And I was about three or four. And do you remember that show? It was a cartoon show, G.I. Joe-esque era, called Mask. Oh, yeah. It's and there was... What was, what was mobile that mobile Armoured Strike Command. Exactly. You know Mask exactly what I'm talking about. Crusaders, working overtime, fighting crime, fighting crime. Exactly. Exactly that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And I think how, maybe Kenner did the toys. They I, did. I can't remember. True that. True that. They did. And I remember being at a weird type of convenience store or some kind of corner store. And I saw, because I'd, I'd seen Star Wars. I was about four at this time. And I first seen Star Wars as a three-year-old. And that was it. I was obsessed from that point on. And from uh, then on, I R2. was a man. And yeah, exactly. Uh, I was hooked. And... I remember seeing through the window, it was closed, I think, the convenience store, and through the window, I was like, oh, my God, they have a Star Wars toy. Because uh, this is like the late 80s, and I don't think the, the toys were as regular, maybe, because the films had ended. For, they'd, been, they'd been done for about seven years or six oh, yeah, years that, by this stage. They, so. were, they were well done, son. They were... That that was actually the best era to find Star Wars toys because you could find factory overstock. You know, they're selling Power of the Force coin figures for... 75 cents. Do you know what I mean? It's, Amazing. It was, yeah. uh, that well, was, that was, was the time. Was like, I, I was finding like Ewoks at garage sales or, you know, Stormtroopers at school fates. And this was before the 90s range came out. So it was like late 80s. And I remember seeing what I thought was an R2-D2 through the window. But it ended up being that little shit T-Bob the next morning with that kid that rode on him, you know. Yeah. But from afar, it was very R2-D2-esque. And so I was duped by what I think is an obvious ripoff of R2's you know, design and bought that. And in my mind, I pretended it was me and R2-D2 or some shit as a kid to cope with the with the duping the next day when I went back to get it. So that's an early memory I have, being duped by Kenner and their, um, you know, sneaky ways. I, I have to say, out of all the memories we've had on this episode, probably the less poignant of, of them all. Some might say that, but, you know, I think others will agree that being duped is also sometimes the most important memory you can have about somebody. So, so what um, you're saying is next- when Kenny Baker passed, you got really sad because it reminded you of the time that you bought an off-brand Star Wars toy. <laughs> I looked up at my Star Wars collection and saw it sullied by that piece of shit T-Bob sitting there. My bootleg R2-D2 with stupid eyes and a mouth. And it, it, it angers me to this day. I'm never going to throw it out either just because it reminds me of the mistake I made and the mistake that Kenna made when they designed that well, you, heinous character. You do bring up the interesting point because I think R2-D2 might have been the, the catalyst of the the futuristic pet. Do you know what I mean? The- Absolutely was, 100%. I see you're exactly right. He is the, the catalyst of that weird, not quite humanoid robot that they could be small and cute and, you know, odd-looking, non-humanoid-looking. Yeah, because Battlestar had... That weird robot bear. Oh, that's right. In the movie or something, right? Or Yeah, it was like a bear that had had cybernetic parts or a robot yeah, that had yeah, yeah, fur stuck right. on it or something. Yeah, terrible. Terrible. But, yeah, definitely. Brand. Definitely T-Bob is a, um, you know, a, a third cousin by marriage to uh, R2-D2. And the marriage being yeah. the Kenner Corporation. The Kenner Corp, you could see they probably had some molds lying around. They're probably like, we need to, you know, get kids hooked on robots again. The first time I actually realized, I just remember then, that there was actually human involved in bringing R2 to life. I think it was the 94 video release and you got some little, or maybe it was even the special edition. I think it was the 94 ones. We sort of saw some docos of them on Tunisia and stuff. The Leonard Moulton chats that played before the films on video. I've heard of them. And I remember just kind of, yeah, you might know them. Hey, you might, you might have even met the guy I'm, I, I'm not too sure who's to say but i do remember seeing them lift the dome off and seeing this naked small man in there and just kind of being like literally horrified and saying, oh, like maybe feeling sick or ill and going oh my god there's like a, a strange sweaty little man in there and all of a sudden i feel really bad for him but he seems to be you know having a good time you know people are just feeding him water keeping him cool 
resuscitating him. It seemed, you know, he seemed to be having an okay time. I, I should point out that he wasn't naked in the R2 unit. Are you sure? I mean, he looked shirtless. I'm talking about the real hot scenes. <laughs> when it was hot AF. <laughs> it was hot AF. Those twin sons, I'll tell you what. In the morning, it's all right, but by the time it hit midday, I mean, you know, who am I to say? Who are you to say? So I remember seeing that being like, oh, my God, there's a person. And then, it all, I, you know, throughout the years, I remember the Phantom Menace rumors coming out and all of the leaks from that that speaking about Kenny Baker. And, and, and then I realized, oh, God, he's actually an actor. Like, someone is playing R2-D2. Now, Angus, infamously, as documented on our podcast, uh, you were a work experience kid slash someone that just kept sneaking back on the set on Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Did you encounter Kenny Baker on set? Now, I didn't personally see Kenny, though I did hear of Kenny being on set on episode one and quite possibly episode two is a form of talisman just to make sure whoever was controlling R2 remotely would get the, you know, the little shakes that he would do right and the little head twirls, like the same way Kenny used to do it. However, I've got to say the biggest takeaway um, for me working on there without, you know, without trying to make a joke, be funny takeaway was the day that props led me aside and they're like, hey, we want to show you something. They took me to something that was like a storage facility where you kind of, you know, hide a large sum of money if you're in Breaking Bad or something like that. Like, there's a private... It was on Fox Studios, and then there was another safe within that, and then within that safe was another safe. This is all true. And within that, there was... It sounds like the start of Get Smart. It was like Get Smart, yeah, yeah. Um, There was just all these tiny little compartments, and in there was the close-up and the R2 that was used for the acting scenes, not the rocket boost scenes or the, you know, the scenes where you had to fall over and stuff, but the ones that... You weren't allowed to touch. They had to dust down. But you had to have the right amount of dirt on him but not be pristine. Like, it was the, the like, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio of the R2-D2. I, I, I believe, I believe the, um, the term is the hero R2. The hero R2, exactly. The one for the close-ups, the one that's going to be sharing screen time with, you know, Ewan McGregor, etc. Mm-hmm. And that's him saying that. That was, that was insane. And the first thing you want to do is run up and touch it and hug it, you know, but... It, it takes a lot of self-control, but it, it still seemed alive. This thing was off. There was no lights on. It wasn't beeping, but it just was, it, it was R2-D2. It was just in low power mode, I guess. Yeah, I think maybe, like, I think all credit to Kenny Baker for giving that, you know, the little shakes that he gave R2 and stuff that when you see any R2, you're instantly kind of giddy. Exactly. The, the way that the head turns. And he had no idea what he was doing. He didn't know how it looked on the outside. I remember him saying in, some, in a doco or something, saying he was just spinning his arms around and kind of shaking and stuff. And, I mean, it's emulated now to, to perfection, but that's, 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 that's classic Kenny Baker. You know, that, that, that's method Baker. <laughs> Textbook Baker. Classic Baker. I, think, I haven't watched it since his passing, but I just think, there might be a bit of a sadness now with The Force Awakens, with the low power mode. I think that's going to be a bit of extra sadness. I'm, I'm not, you know, in all honesty, I'm not sure if I'm ready to see that scene yet with a little dishevelled BB-8 trying to wake him up and making little sad beeps. It's, 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 it's pretty sad. Yeah. There's you know, an extra poignancy attached to that now, and I think, you know, that'll, that, that'll have a little extra, little extra tad of sadness attached to it. Yeah, I, I think even maybe just watching Star Wars again, just like, you know, we, we were discussing in one of the other interviews about when um, he gets left behind by C-3PO. When the Jawas are selling him and he gets looked over for R5-D4 and he's there wiggling, sort of, you know, trying to get attention and stuff after R5-D4. Yeah. You know, things like... the like, dog in the window trying to get sold at the pet shop, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. The Q one, yeah. I think those scenes for me where you just know, you know, he's in there working his magic, wiggling around, that might have, uh, you know, I might, I might cut a couple of onions to that one. Yeah, no, I, I will join you in the onion cutting. Those are, you know, they're, they're, they're very, very, that, that, I mean, that's the epitome of art. And just, you know, he's the hero. He's always been the hero. He, he will still continue to be the hero. It's just, it'll be a little sadder knowing that Kenny's not around to, I don't know.
Now, Angus, thanks so much for saving a bit of time for us. You can be heard... Hey, thanks for calling me. Every week on one of my favourite podcasts, Hey Fam, where you complain about DC movies <laughs> and rave about Star Wars and Marvel. It is the best of times each week with uh, Andrew Levins. That's right. You can click that on Hey Fam on the little iTunes. And um, I look forward to seeing you soon, Gussie. I look forward to seeing you soon, but, uh, be it Melbourne, Sydney, or perhaps some other magical land. I'll be there. <laughs> All right, you guys, our final returning guest to talk about the great man, Kenny Baker, is from episodes 28 and 29. He is one of the co-founders of the Star Walking Star Wars fan club in Australia. Welcome back, Shane Morrissey. Hey, welcome. I know through your many years of organising fan events, um, you would have come across Kenny Baker. How did you, How did the news hit you, mate? Oh, um, I knew he'd been ailing because um, Jeremy uh, told me that they were at London a couple of weeks before he died where he was still um, signing autographs. And he said, you know, Kenny's wobbly on his feet. And so, yeah, it's like anything. It still comes as a bit of a, as a, bit of a shock. What about the fact that... He was a bit wobbly on his feet, but he still made sure he made it to the Star Wars celebration. Yeah, extraordinary. You know, I mean, you know, he was almost 83, actually. And, you know, despite the fact he'd been ill for some time, he still wanted to come out there and um, celebrate and be with the fans because he loves that side of things. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's one thing that we've sort of, through all the people we've talked to uh, on the episode, like two things that I've sort of picked up, that he's not going to let anything stand in his way, like a, um, you know, feeling sick. It's not going to make him stay home from a convention. It, is, it wouldn't stop him. And yeah, that he just, he loved the interaction and, and meeting people. Yeah. Tell us about your Kenny Baker memories. Oh, they start from 1991 when we um, brought him out here for a convention called Vampiricon in Melbourne, and along with Dave Prowse. And uh, my first meeting was meeting him and his wife, and they actually came in early on their uh, British Airlines um, plane, and I had to. I got a call from British Airlines saying they were coming in at two o'clock in the morning, so I had to race out and pick them up at two o'clock in the morning, and they didn't have their luggage with them and we weren't booking them into the hotel until the next night and so I thought what am I supposed to do I've got Kenny and his wife and so I took them home to Sassafras and they stayed at my place for the night (laughs) (laughs) I had no choice and I went and had a shower and I got up in the morning and there's um, Kenny's wife Eileen standing on a milk crate cooking toast and making breakfast and she said this is how we do life anyway we just stand on milk crates and do our thing and I I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty crazy because I know at the time you had a, a pretty extensive Star Wars collection, but it would have been for that one night extra extensive, the fact that you actually had R2-D2 in your collection. I, you know, I had R2-D2 on the shelf and I had him in bed. Woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was a moment. I thought I couldn't believe it. I've got like I've got a, a dude from the Star Wars movie sleeping under my roof. It's just like yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and it was unexpected and it wasn't planned for, but that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. And and what about um? And it was funny too because Kenny Baker, Cassafras in the Danny Nongs is um, I live at altitude and it was very very cold. And Kenny came in the morning after going for a leak at the Dunny and he walked in and he said, the frigid midget with the frozen digit. <laughs> <laughs> that was his sense of humour. <laughs> well, Darren brought up one of those sayings of his and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he definitely liked to uh, drop a few rhymes about his digit. He, yeah, he had a sort of a little um, uh, risque sense of humour. Uh, yeah, so, you know, he, he often was a bit of a joker and a bit of a, a showman. That, he had that in him. It so makes it, you wonder what all those beeps mean. 
<laughs> yeah, he liked talking about those experiences when working um, in Tunisia, how hot it was, and they forgot he was in there, and he'd have to say, hello, hello, can someone get me? I'm, I'm boiling in here. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, he was quite an amazing man. Now, I've been told to ask you about the limo story. Oh, yes. It's when they were filming in Buttercup Valley in Yuma Desert, the sand barge scenes. Oh, in, in Return of the Jedi? Return of the Jedi. And limos were provided for the cast members to go to and from set to the hotel. The hotel, I think, was like 20K down the road. And more often than not, Kenny would go in the bus with the crew. But on this occasion, he decided to go back home from set after a day shoot there. And he ended up going back with Anthony Daniels. Now, Anthony Daniels and uh, Kenny had a bit of a frosty relationship. Mm -hmm. But the car was air conditioned and and Kenny really needed that. And he said, oh, I'll decide to go back home in the limo. He said, they're travelling down the road and there wasn't much conversation between the pair of them. And uh, the crew bus overtook the limo on Auntie Daniel's side and every window there was a bum sticking out, a bare bum, <laughs> mooning, mooning Anthony Daniels because all the crew were a little bit, you know, Anthony Daniels a bit aloof and a bit of a snob and so they just thought, oh, well, we'll just give him a bit of, you know, cheeky, cheeky um, uh, <laughs> saying hello to it. And so the whole bus, every window had a bum sticking out, including Carrie Fisher's bum. <laughs> and Anthony saw this and he stuck his nose up the, up in the air and and looked the other way and sort of said something like, oh, how disgusting. And Kenny said he had to pinch himself, he had to hold his breath because he wanted to pee himself last and he couldn't wait until he got back to the hotel. As soon as he got back to the hotel, he flung himself on the bed and he said he laughed his guts out for about 10 minutes. He just <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed. He said it was the most hilarious thing seeing this bus. <laughs> Every window, there's a bloody bear bun mooning Anthony Daniels. <laughs> wow. It's a moment. <laughs> yeah. That, that is some amazing Star Wars <laughs> trivia that I never knew, that Tatooine <laughs> has got twin sons and a dozen moons. <laughs> that is an excellent way to end our podcast talking about Kenny Baker memories. That will definitely leave a, uh, a big grin on on everyone's faces at the end of this. Shane Morrissey, you are founder of the Star Walking Fan Club. So that can be found on starwalking.net. And yep. next year is the huge Force 5 convention. What's the date of that, Shane? Uh, June 2 to 4. And that is going to be the Australian Star Wars event of the Email. year, almost, because at the end of the year, then you get episode eight. So it's it's going to be two. It's it's good, a good halfway point for people to uh, mark their calendars and go celebrate. But thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> awesome story. I've lived that story through Kenny's eyes on a couple of occasions. He's told that story, so yeah. That, that is awesome. <laughs> and may that force be with you. And with you too. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that trip down memory lane, reminiscing about the great man, someone that's impacted fans worldwide, Kenny Baker. We'll keep the plugs nice and light this week. But a few crucial things. The Steel Wars call-in show was a great success last week. It is now up on iTunes for free to listen to on a brand new feed. Or you can get that through SteelWars.com. We go through the week's Star Wars news and take calls. It is awesome. And you can get involved as well. If you're in America, it is on Friday evenings. If you are in Australia, it is is Saturday mornings. All the details are on the site steelwars.com or in the episode. Get on iTunes, click subscribe and get involved. It was super fun to chat to the listeners and have them ask questions and set some topics 
and give their opinions. If you're in Melbourne, we are doing a live podcast and a live I Love Green Guide letters at the Rochester in Fitzroy on Saturday afternoon, the 10th of September. And then on the 23rd to the 25th of September, it is LA Podfest. If you're there live, I cannot wait to see you. And if you can't be there live, you can watch the live stream. I'm going to keep it pretty tight this week, but we'll go into details next week of how you can do that. But mark that in your calendar. Thank you so much to all our guests that joined us for the great stories, the great memories. And thank you guys for listening. Kenny Baker, we love you. And may that force be with you. Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.